Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with author Catherine Vignes about growing wild. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, formerly MFNC, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraine. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project. And I volunteer in the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, which received a silver medal in the Midwest Book Award. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Catherine Vignes. And Catherine is a speaker, author, and life coach. She is a boy mama, a yogi, and lover of all things happy. As an avid writer, she is she is a featured contributor to multiple online journals and is the author of her memoir, Growing Wild, and the inspirational journal, Soul Prompt. After spending over a decade trying to find herself in a shape-shifting from college graduate to young professional to wife to mother to entrepreneur and being everything to everyone, Catherine made a conscious decision to stop living in someday and start living today. That is when Catherine was able to drop all of the hats and masks she was wearing, meet herself where she was, and move forward in the direction of her dreams. Coincidentally, Catherine has been writing these life lessons down and sharing them to others to do the same. Catherine's only goal at the end of her life is to have lived a life serving others. She's a fireproof change agent and a resiliency advocate. She's living proof that, that life gives us what we always need, not always what we envision. So Catherine, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so honored and excited to be here. I am just so excited to hear everything you have to say. I, you know, your bio is is so inspiring and and uplifting. And, you know, we just need, need more of that every day in the world in general, but, you know, in the brain injury community in particular, um, you know, it can often be isolating and very lonely and it can get a little depressing. So thankful to have you here today to give everyone a dose of inspiration. So Catherine, I would love, I would love if you would just start with a little bit of your background. Um, I believe you were a teenager when you had your traumatic brain injury. 
actually, I was a teenager when I was in a severe car accident and lost my best friend. Um, I, moving forward, growing through that and losing my, my brother who was in a, who lost his life in another car accident and moving, shifting through all the phases. And I became a caregiver for my mother who had a brain tumor, was diagnosed with a brain tumor and had a full craniotomy and became a caregiver while trying to raise my own children and then being able to um, be a caregiver and raise my mother the person who raised me. And so being one of those, be caught between a, a rock and a hard place of um, living through my own trauma and trying to be able to move forward and to help my mother to do the same for herself. Yeah. So your, your mother's um, brain tumor, it was removed, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I always like to just kind of pause and talk about that because Far too often, brain injury, uh, brain tumors aren't classified into brain injury by the doctors. They don't tell the patient that, hey, you know, cutting into your head and taking out this tumor is going to cause a brain injury. Um, and I have met so many people on my journey who didn't realize that, you know, they had had a tumor removed um, and had all these problems, you know, memory, focus. Uh, short-term memory loss, you know, all these fatigue and neurocognitive problems, and they couldn't really figure out, you know, what, what the problem was until someone else they know, whether it was a family member or a friend, had another form of brain injury, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I have a brain injury. Um, so I always like to just really point out, you know, brain tumors and brain surgery, um, you know, they're, they're they're causing brain injury. And I, I wish the doctors would give more information to patients on that so that they know what to do and how to get through those struggles. Right. So um, I don't know what was the case with your mom? Was she told that or not really? No. And so that's, it's been five years since her diagnosis and since her craniotomy. And, um, but we are still now dealing with some of the ramifications and some of the after effects of mm -hmm. how that works. Um, because technically she was cleared of anything to do with neurology. However, and, and so she <laughs> just does her follow-up at the cancer center. However, all of her symptoms are neurological yeah. and the, <laughs> It's so frustrating as yeah. a daughter, as a caregiver of how can we not utilize and have speak both languages? Yes, she is still doing her follow-up for the cancer center. However, this is still neurological. How can we not have our, our doctors communicate with her and do the follow-up? But they're like, well, they've already cleared her through neurology so that it has nothing to do with that. But it's, no, this is a brain tumor. Of course, it has everything to do with why she is not remembering or why she feels, and their explanation has been chemo brain, which, yeah, uh, I'm sure that has something to do with it. Right. But there's so much more support that she could get through a neurological support base versus a chemotherapy support base. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, unfortunately, I hear that all the time too, you know, so no matter what the brain injury, you know, no matter what the cause was, you know, car accident, tumor, whatever, um, and someone's in the hospital, 
and then they're released and they're told, yay, you get to go home. You're all good now. And they're not, <laughs> but there's really no yep. follow-up care or they might get sent to PT for a few weeks, but then that's, you know, again, that's the end of the road. Um, and I just, you know, it's so incredibly frustrating. Um, the system's broken. Um, and, you know, how, how do we get help for these people? And it's um, just a vicious, vicious cycle. And I think, you know, more and more awareness is definitely growing. I'm not sure if that's growing within the medical community or not. Um, I think, you know, some of the medical community thinks we're all a little crazy out here for uh, throwing so much awareness at it, but it's a real thing. And that's what's frustrating is, you know, I mean, I have a group of almost 10,000 people and when 9,900 of those people all have the exact same stuff going on. You can't tell me that we're making it up and it's all in our head. Right. So absolutely. um, Yeah. So, you know, it's gotta be incredibly frustrating as a caregiver, you know, I, 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 especially when it's your mom um, and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's still going through chemo, it sounds like. So, you know, you've got that on top of it all. Um, So incredibly frustrating and, you know, how, you know, how, how are you dealing with it? What are, what are some pointers you would have for other caregivers out there who are also frustrated like you? It's a catch 22, honestly. It's a, it's a daily struggle because for myself, I have three young children. And so for myself, giving myself, giving time to them, as well as coordinating and scheduling things for my mother who is, you know, 70 years old and is thankfully can still live and function on her own. However, it's a lot of the, the detail tasks and the follow-up and coordinating schedules for her as well. And so really as a caregiver is um, taking that time for myself and to really center myself and to see, okay, what is it, what can I control and what can't I control? And really taking a daily assessment because every day is going to be different and to focus in on what are those things that I can do for myself today that will make, fill my cup so that I'm able to give more to everybody else. Uh, Because I think that's truly, and it doesn't have to be the big, big things that, um, that they throw out for self-care or self-love. Um, but sometimes it's just having that 10 minutes of quiet time alone that I can just get my thoughts out on paper, that I can journal, that I can um, sit in silence and meditate a little bit. Um, and if I'm able to get to a yoga class, great. If I'm able to have coffee with a friend, even better. But knowing that, that those are few and far between, that those little things that make a big difference in our lives, drinking enough water, eating consciously for my body, those types of things that um, will make a bigger effect longer. It'll last longer for um, filling my cup more. Absolutely. I think that's just so important for any caregiver of any capacity. You know, you do, you have to take care of yourself first and, you know, like you said, if your cup is empty, you can't fill others up. And I think way too often uh, that that self-care gets lost. And even for a survivor, you know, you have to have a lot of self-care. You, 
you know, you, if you keep pushing yourself to the max, you're going to burn out. And, you know, as a survivor, you're going to flare up symptoms and you're going to set yourself back again. Um, and, you know, I know a lot of TBI survivors who are also either a caregiver or a mom, right? And I mean, mom's the biggest caregiver in the world, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, having a TBI plus having, say, three small children, you know, um, but you have to remember, you have to take care of yourself first. And if you aren't taking care of yourself, you're doing a disservice to those who, you, who you're caretaking. Um, you know, so really important, that self-care component. And honestly, I think even from where I'm from and knowing how I was raised and seeing my mom go every, through everything, um, it is pride is such a such a prevalent thing like I'm too prideful to ask for help and that's really Uh what I'm getting at is to be able to let that guard down and to accept the help to receive because we are so as women as mothers as for myself I'm so used to giving to everybody else that I put myself last and it I learned the hard way that if I don't ask for it nobody's going nobody's going to be showing up with groceries at the door for me yeah and not that anybody has ever done that quite honestly but it's please even asking support for my husband please come home an hour earlier so that I would be able to go grocery shopping by myself that I don't have to drag all three kids and be make it a stressful monument um, weekly event can I just have that coveted time that I can walk through and do something by myself instead of having to give to everybody else or asking for help in terms of, you know what, can we just get a babysitter tonight so that I can go to that yoga class? Can we have that date night so that I can just be with you and and to be by myself or, you know, whatever it is that I need at that moment and schedule it in our day. Let's, make this a priority because that's where asking for that help um, really truly is essential. Even with my mother in asking for help in terms of, I don't know the ins and outs of insurances. Let's figure out who is a, um, who is a rock star at it and see what our options are. Let's utilize some of the support that we have through our healthcare system, through our local um support groups and line up so that we can get the answers because I can't be everything for everyone. And so it's really, truly asking for help and being open to receive it because that was a really hard, when my mom was going through everything, she goes, well, I don't want to benefit. I don't want the help. We'll pay for everything that we need to. And I said, it's not about the money, mom. It's really opening ourselves up to feel the support of our small community that want to rally behind you because she was a beloved teacher, third and fourth grade teacher for 40 years. You have so much support and outpouring that people want to rally behind you. It's not about the financial thing. Let, let just open yourself up to feel that support and know that there are students that are physical therapists, that are occupational therapists, that are speech therapists, that are cognitive therapists that would be able to support you and want to give back and to be able to answer some of the questions. Not that you need to go through it all, but that you would be able to be 
ask questions that, that is this chemo brain? Is this me natu- aging naturally? Or is this a side effect still that I'm still having trouble with? These are yeah. the things that opening ourselves up when we ask for help, but then also being open to receive is a hard lesson, but yet the most imperative one, I firmly believe. And, you know, you also, in your bio, um, you talk about stop living in someday and start living today. And I think that is such a powerful statement. It's definitely something that I kind of get on a soapbox about often. Um, You know, we can't keep living in the past. The past is already done, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just have to live in today and, and make the most of what we have each day. We're not promised a tomorrow. And I think those of us who have survived a brain injury, you know, no matter how traumatic it was or non-traumatic, um, there's still that realization like, wow, I could have died in that instant. And so it really makes you appreciate that we have today because um, we're not promised tomorrow and we've already lived yesterday. So really just focus on today and what you can do today. Um, and you know, if you're having a crappy day, you might not do much today. And that's, that's okay. And just allowing yourself to be present. And, you know, whether you do yoga or you meditate or whatever it is that you do, you know, finding that outlet to let you just get in touch with yourself each day. And, okay, what, what is it today that I want to accomplish? Is it going to be a big thing or is it going to be just a little tiny thing? And whatever that thing is, you know, it, it, it's enough. And, and to learn mm-hmm. how to accept that. Because I think way too many brain injury survivors get stuck in what they used to be able to do. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's a really vicious cycle to get stuck in. Because right now you can't do that, right? And that's okay. You can still do X, Y, and Z. And focus on what you can do, not what you used to be able to do. Um, So I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Yes, absolutely. It's meeting yourself where you're at. And I was one that instead of living in the past, the past was too painful for me. So I closed that off right away. For me, I was living in the future. I was living in someday. When I do this, then I will go on that trip. When I make the big money, then I will invest in our future. When I do this, then I'll be happy. And it's so often that I was so focused on living in someday that I wasn't able to look around and be happy and present today. I had these beautiful little faces looking at me, and I was so unhappy because I was so caught up in all of the things that I had to do versus what I got to do or what I was privileged and being able to receive to do. And it was in the midst of being able to take care of my children and take care of my mom and coordinate all the things and work a full-time job and do all the things to everyone that I realized I didn't know who I was anymore. And as a caregiver, that was super hard. Because Mm -hmm. my primary role then became I was only the caregiver. And I prided myself on that, absolutely, because as a mother, as a wife, that's what we do. However, I didn't sign up for this. I was so mad. I did not sign up for this. Just like my kids didn't sign up for their mom to be um, the crabby, angry one all the time. Just like I never signed up to be in a car accident at the age of 15. 
I didn't sign up to lose my brother at the age of 19. I didn't sign up to be the daughter, to be the one that had to um, find my mom in a seizure, call the ambulance, see her laying incubated or intubated in the hospital, and then having to tell my dad that it wasn't a brain bleed or a stroke, it was actually cancer, and that they had to do a full craniotomy the next day. I didn't want to be that girl, and I was so resentful and so heartbroken that I had to be. And that's why I lived in someday, that when my mom gets better, then we'll do this. When we're able to uh, go on that family trip, then I'll be happy. And so it was always about living in the future, living in someday. And when I was able to strip down and to be able to be like, you know what? I can't live in the past and I can't live in the future. I can only live for today because, like you said, I am not guaranteed tomorrow. I have three traumatic life events that are showing me that I cannot live or that I may not live tomorrow. So the only day that we are given is today and to be grateful and gratitude and live what we do have, what I can see is exactly where I need to be and to be grateful for what I have and that I still have my mom and that I'm still able to care for her and that I'm still able to be present with my children and with my husband and to be able to be all the things for everyone and the only way that I can do that is to start taking care of myself today. Yeah. You know, and just so powerful to think of just how simply shifting your mindset, you know, completely mm-hmm. changed the way you tackle everything, right? And it's sometimes it's really, really hard to make that shift. You know, you're yeah. pissed off at the world, right? Like you said, you didn't yeah. sign up for this. <laughs> so it's really easy to get caught in the, the cycle of negativity. And, you know, there's been tons of research that, sh- that shows, you know, that um, living in that constant state of negativity and complaining is bad for your health, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that it's easier to be negative than it is to pull ourselves up and be happy and positive, um, but it's so worth it. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I still have my days where I kind of have a pity party and, you know, like I know that I should go do something to make myself feel better, but you know what, today I'm just going to have a pity party and that's okay too. Right. Like, I mean, you have to allow yourself grace, um, but just know, okay, tomorrow I'm going to pick myself up and, you know, go to yoga or whatever, you know, um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure you cycle through that, too. I mean, it's only natural. Absolutely, yes. And I think anybody, whether you've had, um, are a part of the traumatic brain injury community as a caregiver, as a as a survivor, we all go through that. Or whether you're not. I mean, for me, it, it was I had these days before my mom was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, and it, it's one of those things that it's okay but we just have to meet ourselves where we're at. It's okay not to feel okay, but know that tomorrow the sun will rise again and that we will get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Catherine, you have written a book, excuse me, I got the hiccups now called growing wild. <laughs> um, and there, I do have a link to it in the show notes. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, just click on that through the show notes. Um, so growing wild is your memoir. Do you like to tell us a little bit more about the book? 
Absolutely. Growing Wild um, really showcases, it follows me through the year. So starting out at me as a little girl and showing our family dynamics and the relationship that I had with my mom, as well as moving through um, the tragic car accident that I was in um, at the age of 15. And the, the secret that shook my world for the years to come. And, and it really sent me on a journey of self-discovery of who am I? Who am I enough? What, what did I do to deserve this? And it follows me through um, shape-shifting into all of the different roles and the masks that I began to wear as a college graduate, as a wife, as a, a young professional, as a mother, and going into entrepreneurship of will I ever be enough? And then it follows, goes into the, the situation that really shook me to my core, to my core is the diagnosis of my mom of a brain tumor and how caregiving and moving through that phase of being a caregiver, not only to my children, but to my mom just rocked me to my core and to how I was able to move through that and find gratitude through the really hard times and how I learned that my path, even though I checked all the boxes and I did everything right and I was supposed to be quote unquote successful by the time that I checked all these boxes and I was still so unhappy and how I was able to shift and move through that with gratitude and grace grace in relative terms because it was quite ungraceful as you could read through that. But at the same time, to be able to learn what growing wild means to me because it's not a straight arrow. None of us have the easy linear path. It's the twists and the turns and to be able to find beauty among the growth along the journey and to realize that my path isn't the same as everybody else's, but it's still beautiful because I am still growing wild. Mm-hmm. And then you also have a companion journal, correct? To go with the book. Um, and I do. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful journal. I am journaling has been something near and dear to my heart because that journaling and writing has what got me through a lot of my grief and a lot of my um, heartache from a lot of the tragedy that I've been through. And so soul prompt is a beautiful journal that is written for the woman who just really needs to let go to get out of her head and back into her heart. And so it has beautiful illustrations and inspirations, as well as what I call soul prompts, because sometimes people don't know how to journal, how to start the practice. And so there's questions that will get you out of your head and back into your heart to be able to get some of the feelings that are stuck out onto paper so that we can continue to move on. And that is a journaling practice is something that I was able to really embrace to be able to do that. And I wanted to create a journal to be able for, to show other people that they can start that practice as well. Yeah. And journaling can be really powerful. And uh, I, I get asked all the time, you know, how did I write a book? And it's like, well, I just started writing. And you know, that, that is sometimes what journaling is all about. You just start putting stuff down on the paper and it's amazing Absolutely. how much will come out once you put that pen to the paper. 
So Catherine, we are just about out of time. And so I would love to just ask if you have any, you know, final words of wisdom, parting thoughts for our listeners today. Really what I want to emphasize is that although shifting our mindsets is hard work, it's so necessary for anybody, whether you're a TBI survivor, caregiver or not, um, a supporter of somebody who has been through a TBI because honestly it's being able to ask for help to take that time for yourself as well as support those who are around us to be able to do the same. So often as women and as caregivers and as mothers that we, we tend to give ourselves to everybody else, but to really fill our own cups so that we may be able to give them to others. And whether that is in the form of journaling, in the form of reading, in the form of taking a, a, a bath, going to a yoga class, going, getting out and having coffee with a friend, whatever that may be, to be able to not only ask for that support, but be able to embrace it. Because that way we'll be able to give more of ourselves to everyone else around us. Mm, wonderful, wonderful final words. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. This has been such a lovely discussion today. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners. Thank you so much. It was an honor and a pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's discussion with Catherine. Uh, just a reminder, I do have her book linked in the show, so you can definitely check that out on Amazon. And just a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And be sure to join our Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, and connect with other survivors and caregivers. And another big thank you to the Functional Neurology Center, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. And I will see you again next time, everyone. Have a great day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.